Good evening. We are still in Perikei of Shar Precious. If you're following inside, we use a safer Chavos Havavos Leif Tov, this particular edition. Uh, the pages don't always work. Uh, it happens to be my, in my particular safer in the bottom of page Reish Tzadivav, but doesn't mean if you have the safer that it's going to be the same number. But um, yeah, it's. Um, not sure how it's sort of really smack in the middle. Uh, actually, not it's not so much the middle. It's uh, it's about six pages before the end of the parak. So we're getting very close to parak vav. Okay. Um, so where we left off really was a fascinating uh, insight that the chos havavos, which been pretty much part for the course, he's just an incredible safer and. It uh, sort of picks apart life in its most uh, intricate detail. We are in the chapter of Precious. Precious is the concept of abstaining from various elements of this world for the express purpose of getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We've spoken about good Precious. We've spoken about bad Precious. We've spoken about how Precious um, connects to things that we... We interact, the way we, ways we interact with people, it connects to the way we think and uh, the way we do things. And we're really now in the physical elements of how, uh, how we behave and how we conduct ourselves. He is now going through precious as relates to the physical senses and the physical movements of our body. Now, we ended last week with a incredible incredibly powerful message of controlling one's mouth and how it is critical that if we're going to work on precious if we're going to work on precious um about our body and what we do in our limbs and our different senses the number one issue has to be the mouth the number one issue has to be what comes out of our mouth what do how do we talk what do we say <clears throat> things along those lines we're now we're, we're ready for the next limb Okay, so the, the mouth and the lips were uh, numero uno, and the number one issue on the totem pole, we're not ready for all the other issues. So let us begin. So after you, we've been successful in clothing, uh, closing our mouths for inappropriate, irrelevant, inconsequential uh, speech, idle chatter, and all the other ilks along those lines, next are the eyes. We have to control our eyes. It's to sort of close the eyes or limit the exposure of the eyes and to sort of take eyesight in general. You should not be looking at things which have no purpose. He doesn't necessarily even say prohibited things. I guess that's that's obvious. But even things that are not prohibited, if it doesn't have any purpose, then why waste your energy? Or things that will move you away, your heart away from thinking about things that will bring you benefit. Right? There are things that are beneficial in this world, and there are things that are not. Um, and... Uh, why would you spend time either looking at those things or looking at things that will draw you away from what's important? They're distracting. And sometimes, again, we uh, 
spend a lot of time, whether it be social media or types of other entertainments and things that, you know, so again, it's, it's sometimes we need to relax, but then other times it just takes us too far and we lose ourselves and we are um, losing valuable time on focusing on what's important because our eyes have sort of moved in a different direction. And desist to the best of your ability, um, separate from any type of extra involvement in things and looking at things. Just like you don't look at prohibited things, right? That's obviously there are things that you're not supposed to, not allowed to look at. Well, treat extra things in the same way. That's precious. Precious is taking things that are not really prohibited, but they're not going to bring you in a, in a good direction. They're going to take you away from that direction, and therefore you're going to remove yourself from them, just like you would remove yourself from something that's prohibited. And incredibly, he says, the Torah actually speaks about that type of, of um, unnecessary looking, uh, uh, unnecessary staring, or, um, or uh, you know, just uh, admiring whatever it is that you're going to be doing. Anything, it's, if it's not necessary, the Torah already spoke about it, because the Torah says, right? we say it every single day in Shema, do not go after your heart and your eyes. Our rabbis have taught us in Brachus Yerushalmi, the, the heart and the eyes are sort of your two agents. They're your, the, the two uh, messengers that go out to try to scope out prohibitions. And our job is not to go after those agents, not to go after that, those um, spies, so to speak, or however you want to call them, but to control them and subjugate them. And it's so fascinating that, you know, the heart, we've spoken many times of how critical the heart is. The heart is the most important part of a person's service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So while the heart is fantastic and critical when you subjugate it, it, it could be the source of, and sort of the bane of your, of your problems uh, if you don't control it. If it leads you, then you're in trouble. If you lead it, then you've got life under control. So... Um, so what should you do with your eyes? You should use your eyes for looking at the great creations of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That you should think about them. And you should discern and understand from what you're looking as the great power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah, go out, go out to the Pacific Ocean. Look at the... At the you know, uh, at the mastery of uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Look at a sunset and, uh, you know, go to Yosemite or go to other places where you can literally uh, be astounded at the beauty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world. And through that, you get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's uh, using your eyes for uh, uplifting in, and uh, spiritually, uh, uh, you know, uh, directed purposes. Uh, again, you can see from these things the power of Hashem, the wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As David HaMelech said in Tilim, When I see the heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the heavens speak 
the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what the world is a, literally a testament to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's incredible a gift to us. Okay, um, the, the heavens speak the work of his hands. So basically, as we look around and look at the stars, the constellations, the sun, the moon, everything else around us, and, and, the, and the world, the, uh, the mountains, the majesty of this world, all of that is inspirational to get us close to Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's called using your eyes for the right reasons. So we certainly know where there's enough things in this world to use our eyes for the wrong reasons. So Prisha says, control your eyesight, control what you're looking at, and treat even the unessential uh, types of observations of things like a prohibited one, because it can easily distract you and move you in the wrong direction. Okay, now we move into the next area of, uh, of our senses, that's hearing. Don't hear what you don't have to hear. And separate to the best of your ability from all extraneous statements, all extraneous sounds. If, if they're not going to bring you in a positive direction, then why are you listening to it? I, mean, it would, I, I share very often, you know, the, I speak a lot about the laws of Lush and Horus. I, I mentioned once that I sort of knew I maybe got a little bit, uh, I made a little bit of a movement in my life in the area of Lush and Hara when somebody once told me some years ago, going back a good few years, you know, uh, Rabbi, you want to hear what somebody said about you last night? And clearly, it wasn't a good thing. And, uh, you know, so it uh, would have been a nice, juicy piece of Lush and Horror that I would have heard that somebody said about me. And then I could have used it. I could have decided at that point, do I want to hear who said it and get myself all worked up? And, I, you know, when I told the person, no, I don't want to hear. I'm not interested because I knew it's, 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 it's not going to take me to a good place. It's going to take me to a bad place. So uh, why do I want to hear it? What's the point? There's no point. You're not, I'm not going to learn anything from it. Clearly, it wasn't something that was constructive. So um, if we can sort of train ourselves that, like that on a regular basis to sort of block out the irrelevancies of life and only focus and only hear the positive things, that would be a tremendous, it would be doing ourselves a tremendous service. Um, I mentioned that uh, one of the things that Bishol Slanter did in his life is he learned to master davening very quickly with Kavana, that he didn't want to keep people waiting for him when he davened Shmonesrei and Shul. So he learned, he learned how to daven very quickly. He taught himself to know Torah by heart, so he wouldn't have to carry around a bunch of svarim with him when he went places, so he wouldn't look like, oh, he's, where he's going around with a lot of books. He was able to learn quietly in his head without appearing to be haughty, and then he taught himself to block sounds out that people were talking and he wouldn't hear it. He, taught, he trained himself not to hear what people were talking about, it, obviously when things were not uh, important to hear. So you can actually train yourself to do that. And certainly if, uh, if you know what's coming is not relevant, block it out. Don't listen to it. Umishmias, uh, so things that are not going to bring you any benefit. Things that are outright lies. Rechilos, Vashnahara. Certainly any type of rechilos mashnahara, 100% prohibited. So you don't want to hear any of that stuff. Ufrosh mishmias komine zemer. And also separate yourself from all types of songs. Unagina utzchok valelus. 
okay, that all types of, of celebratory types of, um, uh, you know, songs, concerts, environments that, again, obviously, if it's inspiring and beautiful, that's all fine. But if it's going to bring you to Tzchok and Hololus, which is levity and frivolity and all types of, you know, mentality of, uh, you know, just pure uh, lightheadedness, which we see, unfortunately, a lot in the world, that all types of, you go to the certain types of places, the music is geared to get you into a mindset totally antithetical to Torah values. The words are geared that way. The beat is geared that way. The environment is geared that way. So what are you doing there? What are you doing there? So these are all things, even the sounds themselves, you have to block out. Even if, even if you're not going to go to that place, but even to hear things that are associated, music that, that could be connected to those types of inappropriate things is definitely not what a parish is going to be listening to. It can bring you literally to the point that you would rebel against God and leave his mitzvot. Because again, once you're in that mood and once you're in that frame of mind, uh, uh, things can unravel very quickly. Things that bring you away from fulfilling the mitzvot and and uh, doing good deeds. Uh, but So you should stay away from all that stuff. And we know what it is. Unfortunately, um, the world uh, and the entertainment industry is quite adept at creating environments to get you away from that which is spiritually uh, positive. But rather, um, you should be frequenting Baruch Hashem, the many Torah websites, many Torah shurim, many uh, good things you can listen to, beautiful, uplifting music. There's a lot, a lot of you know, wonderful things that were that also are available, literally at the at the push of a button. So turn your ears to them. Uh, the, the words of wise people, who know God, who know his Torah. Like Shoma says, bend your ears to hear the words of the sages. An ear that listens to rebuke, that brings you life. When you listen to rebuke to try to get better, you, you're willing to take criticism as great people are. Great people want to improve. They want to hear what they're doing wrong. So one of the things you should do is always reside in, amongst wise people. If you hang around good people, you'll, you'll be influenced in the positive way. You hang around negative people, that is going to only uh, bring a person down. So what you hear is very, very critical. What you see is very critical. And now for the fourth. Okay, this is um, not only a wonderful musr, it's a great nutrition class. So maybe we should charge extra tonight for the nutritional value we're going to get in the next two paragraphs. Because um, now he talks about taste. He talks about eating. Okay, and uh, subject very close to Jews. And... Um, you know, it's something that many, many of us are battling with on a regular basis. And he says, you have to get taste. Your taste buds under control. Kleimar, meaning to say, This is an incredible level to reach. And when a person is there, very often nutrition is not an issue because your focus on food is what you need, not what you want. And this is sort of the key to our 
you know, to the whole challenge. And I'm not even talking about weight because, you know, weight certainly plays a role in a lot of these things, but sometimes not even some people can eat a lot and it's, it doesn't affect their weight necessarily, but it's a, it's a mindset. Why are we eating? And way too many people eat because they like food and they like the way it goes down. They like the taste. And that's really not what eating is supposed to be. Eating is supposed to be sustenance, what you need. Separate from eating and drinking, that's not part of what you need to sustain yourself for your life. The sort of a, a strategy to get yourself into this mindset of conducting yourself in the eating realm for that which I need. Um, uh, I remember, so yeah, in whatever, some old. Remember when I, when I was a kid, um, somebody, you know, uh, there were, I think there was some movie I was watching, some, you know, kid movie. Anyway, I think, says, you know, the difference is uh, some of us live to eat, other people eat to live. Um, and that's really the key. Why, you know, we, we've got to eat to live and not live to eat. Um, anyway, so so he's going to explain how could we develop this mentality. So, Step number one, he says, try to minimize the kind of condiments you eat with bread. When you eat bread, okay, if you like, you know, the mayonnaise and then this and then that and the salami and the turkey and that, and you got a bunch of different things with that bread, try to min- minimize that. Take one spread, one condiment, one thing you're going to have with that slice of bread. Instead of that, that you know, six-pound hero sandwich, Okay, just chop it down to uh, to one one slice of bread, one something on it, and uh, you're good to go. If you can do it, okay, not everybody can do it. If you need more, you need more, but try to you know really limit it. And even that, try to limit to the most that you can, to the to the ex- greatest extent you can. Your kavana, your your intent in eating should be to and and then eat in other words, and your intent in the spread or the condiment that you're using is to make the bread go down easier. You want it to go into your stomach smoother, so you put something on it to make it more appealing. But not so much. I want to get the pleasure. I want to enjoy it. You know, we we unfortunately too many of us get too into our food. And try to train yourself every once in a while. Just eat bread. You don't need anything else. Without any condiments. To sort of train yourself. You know what? I can do it. I don't need such a big fancy breakfast, a four-course lunch, six-course dinner. I can manage uh, just with basic stuff. So that you can do it relatively easily. There might be a time where all you have is bread. So what? Now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's panic time. All I have is bread. Where's my mayo? Where's my this? Where's my that? You know, um, you know, it'll, it'll train us that if God forbid we're in that situation, we'll, we'll be able to manage. If you can try to stay away from condiments whose preparation requires a lot of work, right? Some people like making their own their own hummus and baba ganoush and who knows all those types of uh, eggplant stuff and you know other types of, of foods. Well, if you can try to avoid those 
foods that take a long time to prepare. There's a lot going on there. And try to be happy with this kinds of condiments that don't require a lot of preparation. That's that's much better. Like olives, gvina, cheese, teinim, figs, anovim, grapes, things like that. They're just ready to go. You put some, you take some grapes, you have a slice of bread, and uh, you have a meal. I say so. Try to do that. Because, again, the more time you're spending on food, you're sitting there, you're, you're uh, dicing and slicing and chopping and chopping and plopping, whatever you're doing there, it makes a whole big to-do. It wastes a lot of time. And in the end, it is not necessary. Now, again, you know, <laughs> we're, we're in a very culinary culture, you know, in terms of uh, Jews and simchas and all types of things. So, you know, this is a tough battle. And the truth of the matter is, I'm not sure how justified it is. I mean, again, we want to have a nice simcha. And, you know, when you go to the Vart, you want to have all these incredibly wonderful, you know, finger things that have taken hours to prepare. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, maybe for the general population, but it does seem that if we really want to be honest, in a, at a Prushim convention, uh, if there was a Vart, you know, for a group of Prushim, I don't think that's, a, that's what they would serve. It'd be interesting to, to go to one. I'm not sure if I've ever seen one advertised, but, uh, you know, if, if there were people who all got it and understood that all this stuff is really ultimately just going to take us in the wrong direction, uh, there probably wouldn't be that many unbelievably tempting foods that are just way, way overboard in terms of, you know, what we need, in terms of what we ultimately need. But again, it doesn't mean that, that a simcha shouldn't be nice, but I guess we just have to keep everything in mind and make sure we have we have the we have the proper balance. So we're we're not living in a in a parish world, um, unfortunately. So you know, I guess we gotta figure things out as we go along. Um, common sense is a very important commodity in these areas. Uh, so, but he's not done. The uh, the um, n- nutrition class continues. Your eating in the daytime should be lighter than when you eat at night. If indeed you have two meals a day, sounds like he doesn't even entertain three meals a day. Sounds like the only options are one or two. But if you have two meals a day, then you should have the lighter one in the daytime. That you, you should have movement and energy you know, and lightness. You shouldn't be heavy during the day where you're bloated and... Um, Sunk into a chair and you have a hard time moving. So you want to you want to be able, able to move during the day. You should be able to quickly with energy do your spiritual uh, responsibilities and your physical responsibilities. And try to train yourself. Okay, this is definitely tough for the coffee drinkers. Try to fast one day a week. Try to fast one day a week. Okay, and again, I, you know, I, whatever. If you can do it, fine. Other people have a hard time nowadays. Um, you know, the the B'nai Torah who are trying to concentrate learning Torah. The general advice given to them is: we don't fast. We fast when we need to fast. Halach is the, the days of fasting that are mandatory based on halach. Of course, that's not negotiable. But to start bringing a new fast upon yourself, that might be 
good in certain times and certain circles, but if you're in the base medrash, that's a problem. You know, it's generally a problem, but other people who may be working and don't have such a, you know, maybe then it doesn't weigh on them so much. He says it's a good idea. It certainly trains one to not look at food as such a central necessity in one's life, the way, unfortunately, so many of us do. Um if you're strong enough, he throws in clearly if you if your body can handle it. Not everybody's body can handle it. And anything you can do to train your soul and to to uh, sort of regulate yourself to uh, sort of limit your focus on food and drink, I say, do it. It's a very, very important component. He spends a lot of time on it. Rambam talks about it a lot as well. We really have to, you know, really try to train ourselves to uh, to put food on a lower level in terms of its importance. It's great. It's critical for sustenance. But when you go beyond that, it becomes problematic. The Kavanos Chabinyonim Eila, Tia, your general intent in, in, when it comes to all of these matters should be, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. You got to eat to be healthy. You got to make sure you're, you're, you're okay. But it's not satiated. Even though the Torah does say, so there is such a concept of Sviya, of course, then you make the bracha. But he says, really, on the level of precious, your focus should not be satiation. It should be health. Do I, is my body now able to continue functioning in a healthy fashion uh, based on what I've eaten? And if the answer is yes, oh, Baruch Hashem. So I'm done. I'm good. Let's go right to Okay. Now what about drinking? This is a topic close to my heart a lot. And unfortunately, um, I don't know, it seems like I'm, you know, I talk about it, but I'm not sure if it, anybody's listening, but um, let's see what he says about Shtia. Ushtiyoshotiyamayim. The drink of your choice should be water. You should drink water. Unless you have a particular reason and intent when you're drinking some wine. If you need some wine to bring a benefit to your body, then certainly have some wine. Or you want to maybe remove some kind of your, you just you got a weighty issue. And you feel you have to drink something just to put yourself in a better frame of mind. Okay, that that would be permissible. Give give some beer or some uh, wine to uh, somebody who's lost. Wine to those who are bitter of soul. Sheikha can either be beer or wine, the different types of uh, translations. But at the end of the day, intoxicating drinks are are beneficial for somebody who's lost, somebody who's bitter of soul, and you want to drink a little bit to get yourself in a better frame of mind, it's, that's a legitimate reason. Ach, however, and here's the big ach, be careful, don't overdo it. Don't let it go. Don't just sort of indulge in it without any type of uh, rhyme or reason. Don't Put yourself into situations. I just, I'm going to say it, and though I might not be popular, and 
I know I'm talking to the wrong crowd here, but you know, you can go to a wedding, you can go to a simcha, you can go to a shalom zacher, and it seems like the drinking is the focus. And the amount of alcohol that could be consumed before you even get to the badekin is, it could be a mind-boggling amount. You see empty bottles upon empty bottles. And what is that about? What, where in the world is that going to help anybody spiritually to, to come to a good place? It just, um, don't, so don't be hanging around those people, he says. We should really take these words and put them up in a big, a big, uh, you know, uh, poster on all shuls um, to remind everybody, especially in the area where they have the Kiddush Club. The overindulgence of wine is the hamachav hagodol. It sounds like it is the greatest. Malady. It, it is the greatest uh, plague um, or sickness when it comes to matters of spirituality and physicality of a person. He puts drinking literally up there as number one, it seems. When you, the word hamachov hagadol, koev is like a, it's something that pains or brings you down. It's, it's a real ache. It is hagadol. The, you can maybe translate it, it's a great one, but it doesn't say of Godol. He says, Amach of Hagodol. Sounds like it is the greatest one. And Shomelech already described this to us in Mishlei. The Yomro, when he said, The Leitz goes after wine and the confused person goes after beer. And they just it just completely puts you, turns you into a negative, a lower person. And so to Mishra, he says, Shomo says about a person who just overindulges in eating and drinking, do not be that person who is drinking a lot, who's consuming a lot of meat, who's indulging in food and drink. Those people become impoverished. They become poor. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. It could be both. But it, it destroys a person. Drinking, overeating, overdrinking destroys a person. So these are uh, powerful, critical words that we have to take to heart and certainly spread around as, as much as we can. And um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do about simchas. I, you know, again, if it was up to me, I would just say simchas should be a no alcohol zone. And even though you say, what do you mean? You can't drink a l'chaim. I, if it's a l'chaim, but it doesn't, it never ends up to be a l'chaim. It ends up being a bottle. I mean, it just... Uh, you look around. You just have to look around honestly, see what's going on. It's a scary scene, but I don't know. I'm just one person, so I'm not sure what I can do, but uh, I do try to speak about it as often as I can. Um, okay, so that has to do with eating and drinking. So our nutrition, um, our nutritional session is over. I don't know if we're all going to try to join Weight Watchers or Lindora. I'm not sure where we're going to go, but I, it does seem that you know help in this area is important. Um, we shouldn't just let it go and we should really take it to heart to try to do something if, if we are challenged in this area. Okay, now we get to the hands. We dealt, we dealt with the mouth, we dealt with the eyes, the ears, um, and, the, and eating and the taste, which is also obviously with the mouth, but it's a little, a little different focus. Next, let's deal with the hands. You have to train your hands very, very strongly. Do not 
touch that what does not belong to you. And again, I don't know what's going on in the world, but in today's world for a kid and a teenager to go in and just take a sandwich in somebody else's bag or take a bag of potato chips and, oh, come on, he doesn't care. It's fine. I mean, there are halachas, serious halachas about, about all these things. And um, there is, again, it's, it's scary. It's scary that there is a sort of a real weakening in society in general. And if we're not strong and we're not setting the, the pattern for the world, and if we're letting the world, the world set the pattern for us, um, it's not a good situation. And we are clearly being affected by these things. But we have to train our hands from touching anything in this world that's not ours. If it's not yours, stay away from it. Ufrosh mikol su Separate from all types of thievery, haramos, trickery, vagazel, uh, blatant stealing, any type of harm to other people. Make the movements of your hands very deliberately. Think, what am I doing? What am I touching? Where am I, you know, and very often we could just, you know, we, we doodle, we, uh, we're just, you know, playing with our hands. Before you know, we're, we're playing with something else. We now, you know, I always, again, it's, you know, maybe it's my thing, but I, I was like, I'm always amazed when there are, whatever, you're sitting, people sitting at a table and a bunch of cups in the middle of the table and you got a, you know, a bunch of hot cups, a bunch of drinking cups and all of a sudden people just start picking it up, all the cups, they're flipping it here, flipping it in there, you put your hands in, like, what are you doing exactly? Why are you putting it, why are you touching all those cups? I mean, especially in the corona craze we're in, for sure not, but like, you know, what are you doing? And like, a lot of times we just don't think, we, our hands just move and we just sort of let it roam and we don't realize what what our hands are doing. I don't know if anybody saw this, but somehow I got, I get these, um, you know, constant uh, WhatsApp, different messages about Shurim and articles and things like that and videos. Uh, so somebody sent me about a fellow who just, I think he was in jail for about 18 years. Uh, very, um, coming from a very Hasidic background, a very religious fellow. And uh, he just was let out, I think on his 60th birthday. Um, they let him out. Uh, one of Trump's, you know, programs to be a little bit lighter with the prison sentences, but 18 years. And his, he was, um, uh, he was talking, he had this article, I think it was Mishpacha magazine, and just what he learned, you know, in, in prison and, and the lessons he learned and how he would never do it again. And he was telling the world, the whole notion, I'm, I'm going to get away with it. People are not going to know you know, what's the big deal? And, you know, think of how many people he's hurt, the money that he took, and the, obviously his family that he devastated. So all these things we have to think about. And, uh, you know, these articles can give us a wake-up call just how careful we have to be, uh, whether it's Uncle Sam or anything else. There's a question here, why then do we make Kiddush on wine? Well, again, as you remember the very beginning of that sentence, wine is a very prestigious drink. And there is a place for wine. We, every mitzvah we do, practically, we do on wine. But again, because the Torah assumes that we're going to be comfortable in drinking a l'chaim and, and uh, making a brach on wine, drinking a revias, and zehu. And that's what makes it special, right? If, if, you're, if you're drinking, if, if the wine needs to be a 50-hour bottle and you're going to drink three of them, or you need to, you know, you're shipping in a 250 bottle of 
you know, some bourbon or uh, scotch or whatever you're sh shipping in and you're knocking them off, it almost cheapens the whole thing, right? The beauty of the way the Torah looks at these drinks is that they're for special occasions. So, and, and it, then it's truly uplifted and then it's fine. So, but we're talking about overindulgence. So honestly, if somebody's an alcoholic, they should not make Kiddush on wine. Somebody can't control themselves and one cup is going to lead to, to, to 10 cups and three bottles, then no, you're right. Then you should, we should not make Kiddush on wine. But when we have it properly calibrated, wine is a beautiful thing and it elevates what we're doing. But that's because we're doing it in a, in a proper measure. He's talking about separating from it from the point of view of indulging in it and, and overdoing it. So I think, you know, um, in a perfect world, wine is fine. A little bit of wine is fine, as is indicated by many psukim in the Torah and in, in Tanakh um, that praise wine. But then again, you know, uh, listen, wine uh, was Noah's downfall with the wine. He never should have started with the wine. He should have started with the with the wheat. And we know what happened after that. So you're, you're making a valid point. Um, but the ultimate assessment of the Torah is if we're, if we're properly calibrated, wine is fine in, in, in a, you know, in a small measure, it's a wonderful thing. When it goes overboard, then, then we got issues. Okay. So let's, uh, we got a few more minutes. Um, Right, so you know, the, be careful. Where do your hands go, and what are they touching, and what are they taking, and make all your movements with yishevadas, with the with the deliberate forethought. Think beforehand. What is this going to bring me? What is this going to get me? What am I doing by taking this particular item? Is it right or is it wrong? Uh, they say a story, and I think about. Um, uh, which yeshiva was it? I think it was in uh, Kelim, the famous uh, Kelim yeshiva where somebody left something there and I think came back. I don't remember the exact number, but uh, maybe it was 15 years later and he left something in a place and he, when he came back, it was exactly where he left it. Because, you know, when, you, when you're around holy people who get it, it's not mine. What am I touching it for? So it says exactly where it was and he didn't have to go anywhere to find it, but exactly to where he left it. So, you know, that's... That's, you know, in a special environment, that's what happens. Ushmor almos musriyuscha v'atziluscha b'zeh. And, you know, be careful about your morals, your ethics, your humility. Make sure that you just, you know, you keep things in check in terms of your perspective. B'zeh Very interesting language. So the way you sort of keep yourself in check is that you are misroyneim from doing bad with your hands. Very interesting what misrome means to be lifted up, okay? Um, so it, it, it seems like the, the way to do this is sort of to say, what are you doing? You're noble, you're, ex, you're an exalted person, you have an ashama. You know, why in the world are you going to lower yourself from the high level that you're on to be involved with taking somebody else's possessions? What are you doing? So this is sort of a godless Adam type of approach, which was, the uh, Sabatka was famous for it. Sabatka Musar was famous for the idea of all the stuff is beneath you. If you know who you are, you would never be tempted to act in uh, this inappropriate fashion. So that seems to be sort of the approach, at least when it comes to this. He says, Elevate yourself, exalt yourself to the point where you would not want to be doing anything bad with your hands. As the Pasuk says, 
Watch your hands from doing any evil. Shake your hands away. Like, you know, shake out your hands from receiving any um, any bribes. So, like, you know, constantly keep your hands sort of moving and your fingers moving so that you don't have anything in your hands that would uh, ultimately bribe you. What should you be using your hands for? For mitzvot, fulfilling the mitzvot of Hashem. And open up your hands for giving tzedakah. To poor people, to, to impoverished people. The Torah tells us, open up your hands to your brother who is, who is poor, who is coming to you and asking you for help. Certainly there, that's when your hand should be in full, full engagement mode to be helping other people out and doing what you can for them. And also as the Pasuk says in Mishle, Kappa are very famous words, Kappa Prosalyani, her, her palms, her hands are open to the poor, and she sends forth her hands to the uh, impoverished individual. Okay, so, so that is a critical component of being careful what you shouldn't take and involving your hands in positive things of giving. And that, of course, is, is a, a tremendous mitzvah. Okay, let's, uh, let's see if we can finish this page here and get to a very a good break in, in, the, in this parak. And I think Bez Hashem will finish it uh, next time. We'll finish the parak, Bez Hashem. So one other point about hands that's very critical. Kena lechol it's also very important for you to use So now he's talking about work. He says that it's very important to use your hands and to be involved in work or business to fulfill you, to get your needs. You, you have to maintain a living. You have to be able to make a living. And you need clean, good work to be able to do that, to be comfortable that you have what to eat and your family has what to eat. You don't want to start going, uh, asking people for handouts and asking people for gifts. So to take money that's prohibited to take. To start asking for favors from people who are going to start supporting you and giving and doing a bunch of nice things for you. But we know that, you know, that has a price too. And we're better off not having to come on to those people. And you're going to sort of sell all of the abilities you might have had to do favors and to do good things. And instead, you're selling it by not going into work and taking other people's favors. There, go all, there goes all your schusim. You shouldn't be a burden on the people. You should try to be independent. Don't be a burden. Don't be always asking and having the handout. Some people, again, they have no choice. They're, they're, they're sort of their lot is to be a niyam, and unfortunately it hasn't gone well for them, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. And our job is to get out of that position of anius of poverty. As one of the wise people told us, God blesses those servants who separate from this world. 
but they separate from the world, but not to the point where their separation is a burden onto other people who love them. And, it, and the, they don't bother other people with their needs. They work with their limbs. They use their, their hands, whether you're a mechanic or a plumber or a, or a computer programmer, doctor, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, use your hands, use your energy, put in a hard day's work, and you feel good about yourself. When you eat from the work of your labor, you are fortunate and it's good for you. And also it said the fundamental beginning of Prishas is to set aside a, a very desirable, you know, proper uh, source of Parnasa. Another fundamental aspect of Prishas Conduct your, your affairs. Figure yourself, your situation out where you're going to have what you need, your basic needs. Meaning to say, the fundamental element of precious is to, is to involve yourself in strategies and plans. That you should be involved in a very respectable, nice parnasa. To be able to achieve the basic necessities of your life. Not, not extras, but the necessities. So this is another very fundamental point of using your hands for a clean labor. And it's a, it's a big bracha. Now, we don't, have, we don't have time to get into it, nor is this really the, the right venue. And the, it's not the right situation to, you know, what about kolalim? Where you're getting that's different, and there's a lot of talk about it. It's really not for now, and certainly not part of the subject. But certainly, people who are supported because they want to learn Torah, I want to you know give back to the community. Become Tamir Chachamim. There, there definitely is. There are retirement. In fact, it, it's it's recommended that people do go if they're able to do that to go into Klei uh, Kodesh or to, to 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 develop to be Tamir Chachamim, Rabbanim, Dayanim. And even though it means being supported by the community, that's a whole different type of situation. But, but certainly to come onto other people when you're just not putting in a day's work, that certainly is unacceptable. We still have feet left. So we're going to pick it up as a shem in about three weeks. We're taking a little break.